Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A freak Luke Shaw own goal seemed destined to condemn Manchester United to further heartache on Saturday evening. The pre-match reaction to the starting lineup was, as always, insatiably pessimistic and negative. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got it right, although it took his team some time to sail into a 4-1 lead against Newcastle, partly thanks to the introduction off the bench of Donny van der Beek. Welcome back to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast and Series 6, Episode 6, as we review a 4-1 win away at Newcastle and look ahead to our first Champions League game in 18 months against PSG and a big... Premier League fixture against Chelsea as well as the upcoming run in general six hard games and we look at the best midfield options for United at the back end of the show it was a funny game Jack um, in which I think because United conceded so early it felt like we were clawing our way back into it but in reality it was a pretty competent performance from the second minute on yeah it wasn't bad at all I have to say it was an absolute nightmare start the, we needed a big reaction in this game obviously coming off the back of the 6-1 defeat against Spurs. And I think as much as the players were probably very fired up and, and looking to give that reaction, I'm sure there were some nerves in that in that lineup, but just sort of unsure at how how to react after a defeat like, like a defeat like that. And the sure own goal, completely freak own goal to be fair, was the worst possible start. I think it would have been very, very easy for us to drop our heads, go into our shell and and really just put in a very weak performance. And, and to be fair, I think that the players and the coaching staff deserve a lot of credit for the way that they bounced back from that. I think we showed a lot of resiliency to, to not let our heads drop, to really keep pushing in the game and to not become too risk-averse. I think we, we managed the game pretty well. It wasn't a stellar performance for 80 minutes, but it, it was, I think, competent is, is you're right, probably the, the best word to describe most of the the ninety minutes, yeah, and and how often have we asked for the substitutes to make a difference for United? We've asked for uh, more signings in order to to give more squad depth. Now that that still remains the case, and and in fact we failed to do that during the transfer window. But this was a a rare occasion in which um, the substitutes kind of did the job for United, and Van der Beek coming off the bench was was fantastic. We'll talk about him more in a bit, but. 
Solskjaer's team selection from the start, it, 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 it was proved kind of correct. Juan Mata performed really well. Marcus Rashford played well up top. Dan James looked sharp and, and direct. Fred helped to, to speed up the transitions in midfield. And, and yeah, it, it was all competent. McTominay played well as well. And, and now United have a few fresh players for Tuesday's match against PSG. And, and those two things together, as well as the fact that the substitutions were made, I think, I think we could say at the right time for the right players coming off, the right players coming on, it, it was just all round competent, as we say. Yeah, the, sub, the subs is is a massive part of why I think we we should come out of this game with, with quite a lot of positive feelings about it because we, we've been crying out for the last year and a half for us to have a bench that can actually come on and change a game. And we we finally saw it. Donny van der Beek was excellent when he came on. We'll talk more about him in a second. But I think Solskjaer's team selection... I, I don't really like talking about team selection retrospectively because it's so easy to just say that he chose the right team when they played well and chose the wrong team when he didn't you know when it, a lot of that isn't yeah, isn't yeah. necessarily down to the team it's often down to just sort of individual players and how they play but I, th- I think what was good about the, the team that so- Solskjaer chose bearing in mind the situation that we're in is that not the defence not included because there aren't really many options in the defence of how you would change it but I think everyone outside of the back four and De Gea they all had something to prove, I think, which was the perfect lineup for a game where you're coming off the back of a humiliating defeat and you have you have to show a reaction. You think of the likes of Fred and McTominay who have barely kicked a ball since the end of uh, since lockdown was lifted and the Premier League came back last season. You think of Dan James, who's come under a lot of criticism recently and hasn't had a start since the first game of the season. You've got Marcus Rashford playing up front, despite the fact that he's a regular starter. I can't remember the last time he started a game up front. It, it was must have been six, seven months. Yeah. You look at Juan Mata, who again, I think this was the first game he started since February in the Premier League. They're all players, even Bruno Fernandes, who has been starting every game, I think had something to prove just because his performances have been pretty poor recently. And so I think every one of those players in that sort of front six had something to prove. And that that, that makes a big difference in a game like this where you are trying to see a reaction. And a lot of this comes down, honestly, to the mental side of the game and, and having that mentality to come and prove yourself in a game like this. And that's why I think Solskjaer deserves credit. I think it was the perfect team to create the reaction that we wanted to see. Yeah, and it, and it was the perfect reaction, and and um, it, it was kind of it's, it's, it is a strange one. I, I'm not sure if it's the the Saturday night kickoff or um, just the fact that it's off the back of a six one defeat. But it, four goals is a it was an entertaining game. Um, four really good goals, especially the the Bruno Fernandez one, which started with Van der Beek and then Rashford, um, and then Fernandez finishing it off really well. There were lots of positives in there, and it, it kind of it feels as if we've we, we've moved on quite quickly. There's not been much hype around it, which is a, a good thing, I think, but perhaps a little strange. Um, and yeah, going into a big run, and that was exactly what we needed. And we've got Martial, who was suspended, fresh for PSG. Greenwood, who supposedly lacking match fitness. We'll see if he, he, he'll he make the PSG game. Pobre off the bench, Van der Beek off the bench, Matic off the bench. All of these players will be um, available and ready to go for PSG. And, and that's good. It was a, a, a typical Bruno Fernandes performance, I think. He, he was kind of fine throughout pretty it wasn't a bad performance it wasn't a stunning performance um he was basically fine throughout but suddenly came to life in the last 15 minutes with a brilliant finish some brilliant passes some brilliant involvements in in chances created um which is typical of him and 
th- this wasn't one of his bad performances, but it, it, it is that you have that confidence in him that no matter what, in the same way as Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I think, and I think I made this comparison a few weeks ago, that no matter how badly he plays, he will still contribute something. And we've we've been crying out for that for, for so long. Um, and I don't want to make this yet another Bruno Fernandes loving, but it, 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 Martial and Rashford, they don't score goals when they play badly. Bruno Fernandes does and this this was quite a good game um and and that's such a useful attribute to have in in this united team yeah and I, I think the fernandez came alive in the last 15 minutes and you could see the entire team come alive off the back of that as well it, it's so hard and I, it must be so hard for Solskjaer to manage a player like bruno fernandez because he is such a game changer and a match winner from almost any point any moment in the game any situation almost irrespective of what's happened before in the game. You're right that Rashford and Martial don't... that They either have brilliant games or very bad games, and there's not that much in between. And, and by that, I mean that you wouldn't really see them having sort of game that, say, a Ruvan Nisora type of striker would have, where they, they could have a pretty poor game, but then they'd still be getting a, a poacher's goal at the end that would kind of make up for it all. And yeah. Fernandez does have that ability where... There were quite a few moments, especially towards the end of the first half, where he was getting really frustrated with what was going on around him. He was on different wavelengths to a lot of a lot of his teammates. It seemed like a lot of what he was trying wasn't coming off. He then misses the penalty, of course. And yet yeah. he is that game changer. And it's hard because sometimes as a fan, you want you want Solskjaer to be a bit more ruthless with him because sometimes we look better when he's not involved because he does try so, such high-risk things that our attacks end up becoming quite inconsistent. But at the same time, you can see why... It, a coach would be so hesitant to ever sub him off because he needs that match winner. He can change the game from pretty much anywhere. And I think he is a little bit symptomatic of what this whole United team is at the moment in that we've got to be one of the most frustrating teams to watch ever. Because you watch us in the last sort of 10 minutes against Newcastle and we look like world beaters. I mean, the, the three goals that we scored, especially Fernandez's goal, were all brilliant. The way we quickly shift the ball and... Actually, I want to highlight Wan Bissaka's goal quickly as well. That I've I've been really really critical of Solskjaer and the team for the way that we've seen at matches in the past, especially against Southampton last season, against Brighton as well. And yet, this was perfect. We kept the ball for about two and a half minutes in the build up to Wan Bissaka's goal. We shifted the ball from left to right, went back. I think every single player in the team had a touch before it went back to Maguire, then into midfield and eventually out to Wan-Bissaka. And that's exactly the way you see out a game. You see out a game on the front foot, in control, yeah. with the ball, and then you exploit the space when it, come, when it comes up, which is exactly what we did. And that was brilliant. And I think that, honestly, for me, that two or three minute passage of play and the build-up to Wan-Bissaka's goal was the most positive thing that came out of that game because that showed to me that we are learning, we are growing as a team. We're not repeating those mistakes. Yeah, yeah. They were, that was a funny one, to be fair, because I was um, I was not watching, let's say, on the £15 pay-per-view. I was watching through <laughs> other means, and one of my mates in, in the room noticed on his phone that Aaron Wan-Bissaka had scored, and it, the stream was so far behind that he eventually just ended up saying it. And, and we, I was waiting for about two minutes and I could see Wan-Bissaka in space for all of that time. He was in acres of space for the whole time, just waiting for him to get the ball. And uh, then I, I, I assumed finish off as, as he eventually did. Um, and I was waiting for it and waiting for it and thinking... And what a finish as well, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. 
brilliant finish. And I was thinking, when's that that ping going to come from Bruno Fernandes across the the pitch? And as it was, it was actually just worked backwards and then forwards, as you say, patiently and, and seeing out the game well while kind of carving through the the Newcastle defence. And, and look, Newcastle were, were pretty poor, I think. Um, they led through no brilliance of their own and offered nothing for the rest of the game. And United eventually managed to to be ruthless. And yeah, brilliant finish from Wambasaka. I mean, we, there's a few things we can run through. All four goals were good and, and it, it was great to see Harry Maguire get a goal. And he had a tough time in the international break. Another, a really terrible performance for England, uh, which ended up in, in him being sent off. His confidence must have been shot. And this was... A good-headed goal and a good performance, and it's so needed uh, because he, he he is United's best defender, yeah. and we need him at, at his very best. And I, I really felt sorry for him after the his England performance because it was two rubbish challenges. But the the, the circumstances he finds himself in, yeah. some of them are, are his own fault. But he had a, a very really busy season last year where he played every Premier League game. And then the the two he weeks every minute of the Premier League, yeah. And the two weeks he does have off for holiday, he ends up in a prison cell in Greece, and then he comes back and has a terrible start yeah. to the season. So it's, I felt sorry for him. That was brilliant. Big confidence boost to Maguire, to Wan Bissaka, um, and to Rashford as well. To be fair, yeah, I felt for Maguire on England duty. You know, a lot of, a lot of the circumstances around him have been self inflicted to some degree, but I, I felt for him on England duty just because I felt like he was. He wasn't protected very well by the people around him. You know, I think that was the perfect opportunity to keep him out of the firing line a little bit, give him a, give him a rest because it, he, he you could just clearly see that he, he wasn't in a in a great place mentally, and I don't think anyone would expect him to be in a great place mentally after everything that sort of happened to him and because of him recently. But I think that was a massive goal for him. And a massive performance, to be fair. Solskjaer said it after the game that he's an inspirational captain. I don't know if I'd quite go that far yet, <laughs> but this was definitely an inspirational performance, I think. Yeah. You know, he, he led the line really well. He was very solid. Got the goal that got us back in the game. And I, re- I actually really liked his reaction after the goal as well. It was very low-key and sort of down to business, which is exactly what you want at Man United in that, you know, 1-1 isn't, isn't the be-all and end-all. It's got to be then on to bigger and better things. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a great performance and a much needed performance that will hopefully, I think we, I'm hoping that we will eventually look back on, on this Newcastle game as, as a little bit of a watershed moment. Not necessarily that we're going to go on and, and go on a brilliant run of form from here, but just to, just that it sort of draws a line under the last month that, which has been yeah. probably the most negative month that United have had for a year and a half, potentially. Yeah. I think hopefully this can just draw a line under that. And now we're sort of in a new phase of the season. We're going to have bad performances. We're going to have bad results. I'm not saying that this will signal a 15 game unbeaten run, but just a little bit of a new phase and hopefully yeah. draw a line under what's well, happened. Well, Solskjaer said after, as well as Colin Maguire, very inspirational captain, said the season has started for us today. And uh, based off of the performances of the last few weeks, that's absolutely true. It's not a... It's it's not something where I I, I think oh this is a turning point. It was a a decent win against a really poor Newcastle team. Yeah, but it and was, a performance that was although positive. It was it was average. It was it was. But, the, but that, for us, that's okay at the moment. It, it's kind of the, the that is the level of expectation that uh, is is required yeah. um, for a team of of our of United stature. 
Last couple of things. In fact, let's let's talk Donny van der Beek before we move on to youth alone and women's roundup, and then we'll be talking about United midfield over the next few weeks as we play PSG, Leipzig, uh, Istanbul, Basaksehir, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Everton. But van der Beek against Newcastle comes on in the seventy fifth minute. It's United one, Newcastle one, and he. I, I tell you, the, the the word that springs to mind with Donny van der Beek is efficient. He came on, he attempted twelve passes. He completed all 12 of them, created one chance, beat a man with one dribble, played a key part in the Fernandes goal and was just efficient and did exactly what United required. He he was very, very good. To be fair, as he has been, not quite as good as he was against Newcastle, but as he has been, any time he's been given an opportunity this season, he's been neat and tidy. You're right, very efficient in possession. He, He never takes too many touches, doesn't slow the game down, which is exactly what we need because you see like for the Rashford goal, when we do start moving the ball quickly, we're a very dangerous side. It's just we don't do it enough during the game, especially when teams sit deep against us. And I hope that van der Beek will be a bit of an answer to that. I'd be very, very surprised if he doesn't start against PSG in in midweek as he deserves to. The big thing for me is I want to see that partnership between him and Fernandez be given a chance to flourish because to me, they they appear like they could be great complements to each other because well, you have one one player in Fernandez who is very high risk, very inconsistent, which is okay for a number 10 to be like that. I, I don't mean that as, as necessarily a bad thing. And then you have Van der Beek, who is equally creative as Fernandez, but is not as inconsistent. He's much more efficient. Like you said, everything is a little bit more, maybe not predictable, but it's, the outcome is a little bit more predictable. He's probably not going to win us as many games as Bruno Fernandes does, but I think he will sustain a lot more attacks than Fernandes. And those two, they're complementing each other. I think yeah. is, a, is a really, really exciting partnership. And the one thing I've noticed about Van der Beek more than anything is he, he feels, he appears like he knows how to find space very, very well. Some players just have that natural ability to be able to, to, to find space really easily. And in every time he's come on, He's shown that ability, especially between the lines. And I think he deserves a start more than anyone else. I think he's done more than enough to warrant a place in the starting lineup. I think it would be worth for the next short while sort of going ahead with trying to play him and Fernandes in the same team with one of them sort of nominally on the team sheet as sort of playing out wide but then let them rotate throughout the game. Fernandez does that anyway during the game. He'll pop up on the left, on the right, in the centre. Yeah. And I think if you if you allow those two to kind of roam freely a little bit, I think that could be a really exciting way for us to go. Yeah. Well, Fernandez is the, the high-risk, high-reward player, and Van der Beek is the uh, perhaps calmer, um, less risk, maybe less reward Um but less reward, not in that he's not creative. It, it's hard to describe. It doesn't mean that it's not like Fred less reward. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just he's sideways. not making as many. He, he, he's not making five passes and hoping that one of them will create a chance. It's, it's more that yes. um, makes fewer of those passes and hopefully the one that he does make uh, will will create that chance. Uh, yeah, yeah, been really impressed with him, and and he could he can, he can play on that right wing. Um, we'll talk more about the the setup on the midfield in the back end of the show, but it just, I mean, I I, I think I'm right in saying he's misplaced only four passes in the United shirt so far, and that's a, a big problem with our attacks is is they break down with with a sloppy pass or something, and that is kind of what you get with yeah. Fernandez. Pogba recently, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, Dan James, 
all of these players. Juan Mata, who we haven't mentioned, um, and we should, stops that from happening. And the same is true with Van der Beek. And, and that, that really does change the way the United attack and the the, the ruthlessness that the, the team can offer. But um, yeah, excited by Van der Beek. Hopefully we'll see him start and, and play a full game soon. But Juan Mata... Not not a huge impact in the second half, but particularly in the first half was was United's main yeah. man, the key cog in the team. Didn't lose the ball, created the chances, and um, that's uh, perhaps not something we thought we'd be saying this season. No, not at all, and, and we probably shouldn't be saying it. To be honest, we we shouldn't really still be reliant on a yeah. an aging one matter. But he he does have something to offer. To be fair to him, and even when he normally plays in the League Cup or the FA Cup or the Europa League last season. He still does offer us something. His quality is still there. It's undeniable. Physically, his limitations are probably a little too big at this point to, to be a major factor, but he does still have that quality and you see it in certain moments in the game where it comes to the fore. The, the thing that I like with us playing with him in the team, and this, I think this will go to be the same with Van der Beek in the team as well, is that it actually helps us defensively too. Not because Matter or Van der Beek are great defenders, but... Because our attacks are a little bit more consistent, a little bit more predictable and a little bit more sustainable, it's harder for teams to hit us on the counter-attack as well. Because sometimes, how often Fernandes gives the ball away, it then ends up that teams are able to counter-attack us 15 times a game. And and again, it's just the nature of who Fernandes is as as a player. And then we end up trying to scramble back. And just the law law of averages means if you give teams 15 attempts at a counter-attack during a game rather than five, they're going to score more goals. Whereas with Van der Beek and Matter in the team, you'd like to think that our attacks are a little more consistent and sustained. And therefore, we don't give teams so many opportunities to hit us, to hit us on the break and expose a relatively slow backline to fast-moving counter-attacks. We'll see if it actually plays out that, that sort of, th- in theory, how it should work. And it did happen against Newcastle, to be fair. They had very little going forward for, throughout much of the game except one brilliant save from De Gea from Callum Wilson, which we shouldn't uh, forget to mention, yeah. to be fair to him. Yeah, fantastic save that. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, you, you thought at one point in the first half when he made the save from Sam Axeman and hurt his shoulder, you thought this was it for his United yeah. career. Or at least I did, but potentially, you know, if Henderson comes on and plays as well as he has done in the League Cup, this yeah. could be a, a big moment, but he came back and that save was brilliant. That didn't run through my mind, but um, yeah, that that is true. Had he... Henderson come on and then they had been out for a couple of weeks and yeah it could have been the turning point but as it was he stayed on and it was the it's such a satisfying save because not only did he reach it incredibly but the way he scooped it out of the path of Callum Wilson and it was it was funny because I was watching with Arsenal fans and we'd been watching the Arsenal game earlier when Bern Leno I think his key weakness Leno for Arsenal is that he parries his shots into the wrong areas and it's hurt Arsenal on so many occasions and they were complaining about it then I was pointing out then and I, I said De Gea is, is, is great at that even though he's made mistakes recently he he never parries it into the the path of the attacker and, and this it wasn't he didn't even parry it he scooped it out of the goal line and just away yeah. just past Callum Wilson and gave United's defence time to recover and I mean it's fully behind him yeah. when, he, when he makes the save as well it's a good sort of half a yard behind him as he when he claws it out yeah it's funny to think about how he's progressed in that way because remember back in like 2010 or no what is it 20 like 12 2013 that was his big weakness remembering like the so i'm sure there's a game against arsenal when he pushed it straight out to uh Adebayor. there's a few other examples where he just yeah. was parrying shots straight into the path of attackers from sort of 30 yard shots almost every time and he's improved in that regard so much 
but yeah, it really was a, a brilliant saving and kept us in the game. That would have been a crucial time for Newcastle to score. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, we're going to move on to youth road and women's roundup, and then we're going to talk about how Van der Beek might fit into a midfield over the next few weeks uh, with six big games coming up. Manchester United's under-23s were impressive this weekend. A very young side started away at Arsenal and raced into a two-goal lead in the second half. Arsenal started with Cedric Suarez, Nelson, Emil Smith, Raul Balogun and Joe Willock. Um, but United's Arnold Puigmal put them in front early on with a stunning free kick and made it 2-1 just after half-time as well, tapping in from close range after a missed penalty. Puigmal was one of the um, only older players in the team filled with kind of um, young young talents, but basically the FA Youth Cup side of last season, so mainly 17 and 18-year-olds, and one 16-year-old, Joe Hugill, um, one of the 16-year-olds in the team. Hugill signed from Sunderland in the summer, made it three for United, and has now scored five goals in as many games at the club, just at the age of 16, three of those goals for the under-23s. It's a great start to life for him at United. Balogun grabbed two back for Arsenal, and United are still waiting for their first win of the season in Premier League too but the experience is a great one for this very young team the under 18s themselves lost 5-0 to Huddersfield under 19 in a friendly this week in loan news Dishon Bernard has joined Salford City until January and Max Haygarth has done the same with Brentford B no huge amount of news to tell you with the current loanees out of their clubs but United's women beat West Ham 4-2 away from home on Sunday Tobin Heath and Kristen Press both scored their first goals for the club and Alicia Russo hit two Right, Jack, the start of a six-game run of hard games uh, for United now. PSG, Leipzig and Istanbul was actually here in the Champions League as United returned to action in the Champions League 18 months since we were beaten by Barcelona in the quarterfinals at the very start of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's time at the club. And then Arsenal, Chelsea and Everton all in the Premier League. Um, there was a nice line in a, a piece by Karl Anker for The Athletic uh, on Sunday saying United won't be heavy favourites in a game until West Brom on November the 21st now. Um, and it's a, it's a good point and, and perhaps a, a good thing for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and United, a chance to use our counter-attacking qualities against a, a selection of very good teams, um, particularly PSG, Chelsea and uh, Arsenal and Everton, who will all pose um, different challenges, but all very difficult ones. Um, PSG, first of all, I mean, it's it, it's hard to know because we haven't watched PSG. Um, I well, I certainly haven't watched PSG this season yet. Um, I, I but it, it's a difficult one to know exactly what to expect. But last season's Champions League finalists, United, not in incredible form. Although this game was the Newcastle result is a good one. Uh, it's certainly not a a confidence builder, is it? It's not. No, <laughs> I mean, there's there's so much symbolism, I guess, and great memories around going back to the Parc des Princes, which I think is worth at least touching on obviously our first trip back there since that special night was it now a year and a half ago back in April 2019 yeah but yeah I mean very very heavy underdogs going into this game and I don't think you could say anything else it's hard I haven't watched any of PSG this season either um can't say I'm an avid follower of the French League and to be fair I don't know what much I'd get out of it anyway since the quality of the competition week in week out in the French League is not not the best, but PSG are a very, very talented side. They are p- potentially a little bit mentally fragile if we can get at them early, which I think would probably be the plan. But I mean, I, w- I would expect them to completely dominate the ball and it's probably going to be a night of 
quite a bit of frustration watching the game, I would imagine, just in that we're going to be doing a lot of defending, probably on the edge of our own box for a lot of the game, and then trying to make some high-risk counter-attacks work. But I am excited to, to see how we go about this. It's the first test of United this season in a really big game. And for for all of our sort of pessimism and maybe some... Uh, don't know what the word is. Yeah, pessimism and, and just maybe a hesitance going into the game about what might yeah. happen. Our record against in big games under Solskjaer is very good. PSG is is slightly different, I guess, in that it is a Champions League game and they are yeah they are a level above even most of the other big six in the in the Premier League. But it's going to be a good test, and I'm excited to to see how we fare against it. Yeah, um, it, it's it's perhaps a little hard to say exactly how United should line up against PSG. Um, we can do that, but more in yeah. general, the the six game run coming up is a very difficult one. Um, yeah. Champions League Especially games this early in the season. Yeah. And Champions League game is midweek and then difficult uh, games, home and away, a bit of a mixture against Arsenal, Chelsea and Everton. Um, United have midfield options. Pogba, Fernandes, Van der Beek, Mata now, McTominay, Fred, Matic, all fit at the moment, all ready to play, some in better form than others. United basically have have three options, I guess. Uh, the the Pogba Matic central midfield partnership with Fernandez in front of them that worked so well in the the um, post lockdown period, project restart period, if you like. Then you've got Fred and McTominay, the Newcastle option with Fernandez in front, and then you've got something new, whether that is is Pogba and Matic, but with Van der Beek on the right and Fernandez in front, whether that's going to a 4-3-3, whether that's going to a, a three at the back. You can't imagine there'll be anything that inventive coming up in the next few weeks, but we're going to have to see a variety of midfield combinations. Say we, we have to have kind of two um, regular ones. Which of those are for you? And, and how do we get Van der Beek in there? It's going to be a tough one. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see us go to a five at the back against PSG, which I don't love just because I I don't think we are quite well versed in it enough to to bring it out occasionally in the big games. But it's been some something that Solskjaer has been willing to do in the past. And it wouldn't surprise me to as an effort to try and contain PSG's attack. It's going to be tough. And, and to be fair, I, I have sympathy for Solskjaer if Van der Beek doesn't start this week against PSG just because it's a little different playing against a team like PSG because as much as you want to be you want to be offensive and you want to be on the front foot you also have to recognize that the game the pattern of the game probably is going to be PSG with the ball and us sitting quite deep and so is Van der Beek the best player to play that role maybe he is I don't think he'd do any worse than say Dan James or Mason Greenwood and so and so why not I think that the the main argument for me for for starting Van der Beek is that when we do manage to have any spells of possession, I think he will do a much better job at sustaining that than the likes of Greenwood or Dan James would. Yeah, that's that's why I think they, yeah. you know they they are better on the counter attack, but I think it it, it goes a long way well, to be able to have that. Yeah, it's it's it, it, instinctively you think someone like Dan James because of his speed is better on the counter attack, but you need I mean take a look at the goal, uh, Bruno Fernandez's goal. The, the 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 play from Van der Beek that starts that move is 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 brilliant for the counter attack. That is a, a yeah. an ideal counter attacking goal. And that that that's not necessarily come from pace, but it's come from four really good passes and, and four really good bits of movement and obviously a great finish. Um yeah. 
it takes me back to um, that point takes me back to the movie Goal the, the big football movie that was out when we were uh, growing up Harry that where the was the classic phrase from the Newcastle coach when he made um, the player chase after the ball when he'd kick it to the goal the point being the, the ball can always move faster than a player can. yeah yeah. So the key the key is moving the ball quickly and getting it to players making good runs, not necessarily having lightning fast players everywhere on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Um, so I, I think I must have said that point at some point to the the under eighteen side coach. Um, but it, it, <laughs> it is very true, and and Van der Beek is um is very much one of those players. Uh, and I think yeah, the the point you mentioned earlier about how he keeps possession better than someone like James or or or, or even Greenwood. Um is is absolutely true and yes James comes with more pace yes Greenwood comes with more pace and some finishing but Van der Beek offers something different now he could be a great option off the bench again so uh, and and you do have to think about that um, he could have a better impact off the bench than he would have starting the game and if Solskjaer think that's the case then then fair enough I think there's a an argument to be made for that some players are are made to come on and make an impact in half an hour when the game is is opening up a bit maybe when when players are getting tired when there's a bit more space or when a different set of qualities are required and maybe perhaps van der Beek is one of those um we'll see um the, i think the question is you've got McTominay and fred which is it's quite kind of a it's they both cover each other's weaknesses don't they McTominay is mobile Fred is mobile they've both got that going for them unlike Matic um, Fred is a decent pass of the ball McTominay's kind of pretty average in that regard but he's he's very good in the tackle and and offers a good protection to that defence and they both cover each other's weaknesses which isn't the same uh, the case with with Matic and Pogba for example so it's it's a really tricky um, set of of decisions. But, I mean, it's a massive positive that United can now take those decisions um, and have multiple midfield options. Um, and I guess that's down to the the, the the fact that Bruno Fernandes is obviously the attacking midfielder now and the arrival of van der Beek. Yeah, the midfield depth, I think, is the best that we've seen in a, in a long time, probably in five or six years at United. We now have, admittedly, McTominay and Fred, I don't think are amazing options to be starters, but... You know they're, they're, the qualities that they have are required in some games and I think it's a genuine option to have them there as the two. You then have Matic and Pogba, of course, and Fernandez, Mata, van der Beek to kind of go in that attacking midfield role. It is the best depth that we've had in a long time. I think for the PSG game, I would probably stick with McTominay and Fred, to be honest, as much as I... It kind of pains me to not have the quality of Pogba and Matic in the team because they are undoubtedly... They they have much more quality on the ball than McTominay and Fred. I just think that if if the pattern of the game is what I expect and we do end up being on the back foot for a lot of the game, the mobility that McTominay and Fred offer us is huge, and it really yeah. does make a big difference in games like this. If you can, a lot a lot of the time it it kind of gets lost that when you are playing against a team that's going to dominate possession and you have to sit back. A lot of the time, it's it's kind of assumed where you, where you just sit on the edge of the box and you try and clear as many crosses as you can and stop them getting, you know, into the into the area. You keep them at bay. But if you can also harry the midfielders, that makes a massive difference because when you've got the likes of say Marco Verratti given time on the ball, he's he's going to pick you apart eventually. It might take him eighty five minutes, but he's going to do it eventually. You need midfielders who are mobile enough and good enough to be able to put pressure on those players. But then also get back into position if they if the game bypasses them and, and they manage to work it around them, which McTominay and Fred do. 
And I just don't think Pogba and Matic possess that ability. And so I would honestly stick with McTominay yeah. and Fred, probably with Rashford, Van der Beek and Fernandez ahead of them. Yeah. And it, 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 again, Matic and, and Pogba are great options to have off the bench, as they were against Newcastle. Pogba comes in and, and gives you um, so much technical Pogba, ability. Yeah, Pogba offered us a lot off the bench against Newcastle, yeah. to be fair. And then you've got the Matic choice as well to, to try and shore things up if... Um, and and we can hope and cross our fingers and pray United are winning at some point. Uh, then Matic could come on and and um, maybe shore things up a bit. Um, we should wrap up, but we've as Chelsea as well on Sunday. Uh, how do you think this week's going to go? And I, I guess for me, I'm I'm not expecting uh, anything against PSG. I think we'll be beaten by PSG, but we should be beating Chelsea. I think if Chelsea are a really poor defensive team, and we are theoretically a very good attacking team and we showed that in the final 20 minutes against Newcastle and we should be showing it against Chelsea. Um, it, if United lose both games, what do you think the reaction is going to be like? I mean, it's going to be bad just because the reaction is always over the top, regardless of what Man United do. It, partly because we're Man United, partly because we're in this age of condensing every opinion that we have into 280 characters or whatever. But I, I think personally... It would obviously be disappointing to lose both games this week, but I wouldn't be too distraught. I, I Personally, I think the PSG game is a bigger game for me, but the Chelsea game is more important. You know, in that the PSG game, you lose to PSG, it's not the end of the world. United, realistically, we should be targeting finishing first in our Champions League group, but finishing second wouldn't be the end of the world. And I think most people would probably expect PSG to to win this group quite comfortably. The Chelsea game is much more important to me, a, a more direct rival. Yeah. And I just think we, we have less we have less margin for error in the Premier League after a slow start. We have a bit more room for error in the in the Champions League, and you would back us to beat uh Shahir here and, and RB Leipzig in our remaining games in the Champions League. The thing that the thing against Chelsea is that I'm whenever I hear that we're playing Chelsea, I immediately think, oh shit because our record against them is so bad and at least, at least historically has been so bad sort of in my lifetime, the last sort of 15, 20 years. But recently we've actually had some very good performances against them, against them and some great moments. You think of Rashford's free kick, Herrera and Pogba both uh, scoring headers against Chelsea in the, in the league cup. Yeah. Obviously beating them four, four one on the first day of last season. We actually have a very good record against them under Solskjaer. And so that gives me a little bit of confidence there, there off the back of a, of an implosion against Southampton yesterday. Uh, we were recording yeah. this on Sunday. So there's a little chink in the armour there. That for me is a much bigger game than, P sorry, a much more important game than PSG. Although I think, you know, PSG in the Champions League is, it's one of the biggest occasions you could yeah. want. Um, we're going to wrap things up. Um, it's, yeah, it's strange to have the Champions League back so soon. I mean, obviously it's October, but to, to, given when the season started, it it does feel weird. Yeah, um, I mean, we play was... Champions League the next three weeks in a row, I think, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, Remember until Christmas, that's... it's almost every week, I think. Yeah, that's why it's such a, a, a difficult um, set of fixtures for United coming up. I was just looking, we actually have a similar, similarly tough set of fixtures in the new year as well. In January, we play Liverpool, Sheffield United, Arsenal, Southampton, Everton, West Brom, Newcastle, Chelsea, City in the space of six weeks. And there's obviously potentially FA Cup and maybe Champions League games to, to be put in there as well. Yeah, um, we're going to go to um, our, our post-episode 
patron Q&A after this. If you're interested in, in signing up to become a patron, just go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there for information on how to do that. We're going to talk a bit about squad rotation um, because uh, someone sent in a, a question regarding to that. Um, it was, I think most United fans did not pay the, the £15 pay-per-view um, to, to watch us beat Newcastle 4-1 and that was good and there was a really nice initiative set up by uh, the, the Newcastle fans who raised, I think, more than £5,000, I think. Um, I've got that figure right, uh, for the Newcastle United Supporters Trust Food Bank and um, loads of United fans I know as well donated the £14.95 to the United Food Bank as well, um, which is a great idea, really. Um, nice story to hear and hopefully... At some point, um, the Premier League will see sense and uh, desist with their ridiculous pricing of, of individual games. Um, anyway, Champions League on Tuesday will be exciting. Um, for more from Jack throughout the week, you can find him on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64. And as I say, the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Right, we'll leave it at that. Have a great week. Goodbye. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.